0: got my little Mickey cup ready to go. Ah,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. So I don't know if we have any business to get into this morning. I don't think so. I don't even know when this case is coming out. I can't keep track anymore. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> we just, and we swapped, I don't know if you guys noticed, not this, but yes. we swapped weeks when we did Alex Murda.
1: So yes. we got so. that out fast for you guys. So from recording, this one should be out, not this week, but next week, actually, because I have more cases recorded than you somehow. Yes. I don't know how we ended up like that, but.
0: Probably because mine, um, two-parters.
1: I had Yes, yes, yes. Bell Gunness was a two-parter. That's why.
0: Logistics of podcasting, you guys. We try and record ahead, but then I got sick and I, I, I ruined everything. So we're trying to catch back up.
1: Yeah. I don't have anything exciting going on did some editing i did our taxes <laughs> nice
0: yes <laughs> business taxes are super fun
1: yay <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah. that's it i don't know it's fun i'm Behind excited the scenes of podcasting
0: yeah well i did um some research on this case this week and i'm excited um it's a good change of pace after doing the black widow cases and the old timey cases this mm-hmm. is from 2007 Oh, so about 15 years ago, but still yeah. not like super old timey. There's yeah. still like pictures and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there were pictures in bulk too. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Whatever. It's been a week. We're here. We're surviving. Yes. You know how it is when you get sick. You got to catch up and then yeah. you're just drained from being it. Anyway. <laughs> so today we're covering the murder of Tara Grant, which took place in Magcomb County, Michigan. I haven't said Magcomb out loud yet. So that was interesting. Okay. In 2007, like I said. This is a little bit of a Valentine's Day murder. It's not really, but I found it on Valentine's Day and one of like the dates is Valentine's Day. So that's why okay. I <laughs> didn't like put it out for Valentine's Day.
1: Yeah. But there's a connection. There's a connection. There's a love connection.
0: Okay. Yeah. There's <laughs> several love connections in this one. Let's. Let's get into it. All right. So, Tara is in college when she meets future hubby Stephen Grant. She was actually dating someone else at the time, kind of. She had like a little situationship, as us Gen Z's call it. Situationship. situationship. <laughs> like, it's, you know, they don't really okay. know, whatever. And so, when he asked her if, if she had a boyfriend, she was like, I mean, kind of. And he said, Well, he's either your boyfriend or he's not. So, that's how they met. I
1: agree. What's his name again? Steven. Steve. Steven. I agree, Steven. Maybe hold off on that. Um, oh. <laughs> no, you should have stayed with the first one. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Okay. Um. So she wasn't really interested in Steven at first. And a lot of people said that Steven was punching up. So she wasn't super into him at first. Okay. Um, but at some point, Tara left school to go to her hometown for some family stuff And he decided to just drive there and support her and show up uninvited. That's one of those. (laughs) Is it romantic or is
1: it creepy? (laughs) I don't know.
0: But um, what's even more weird was that her situation ship was there.
1: Oh, no. And like staying
0: with Tara. So Stephen had to like, he he went to dinner with them. And then, yeah, he ended up leaving. But he was shooting his shot. And when Tara got home, she called Stephen and
1: told him that she was in love with him.
0: So it worked.
1: (laughs) Okay. So Tara thought it was romantic. Yes. She
0: did, apparently. I would have been like, bitch, the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) But whatever. I have boundaries. I don't yeah. yeah. Not not saying that she didn't. I just wouldn't think of it that way.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: If it was in a book though, I might think that it was romantic. (laughs) Let me let me say it that way. If this is a romance book, I'm reading this. It might be cute. The- <laughs> theoretically.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: That's fair. So the two got married and they started to build their lives together. Tara graduated from college and she ended up climbing the corporate ladder into a really successful career. She had one of those jobs that like, I don't really know what she did. You know, she
1: probably sent like <laughs> emails or something. Like Chandler Bing. Yeah. Like Chandler. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what he does.
0: Um, But she worked for. Some big corporation, I don't remember, Washington Group International, I think is what it was called. Okay. No idea what it does.
1: Yeah, that's very... I
0: kept, I tried to I tried to figure it out, and then I stopped <laughs> trying. Worldwide international, like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so um, she ended up having to start traveling a lot for work. And in 2006, she was promoted to, like, a manager position or a leader position of a branch of her company that was based in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So she began spending Monday through Friday at that branch and coming home on the weekends, which I'm super familiar with. My dad did that growing up, so I get it.
1: My husband kind of does that. Yeah. I Probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> Maybe cut that
0: out. Yeah, because you don't want people to know that you're... Especially after the news. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. so we'll have leap something out, but a podcaster was killed by a stalker. Yeah. He wasn't like a fan, but still... Terrifying.
1: I mean, like, he might have been, but based on what we know, they met, yeah, through, like, a networking kind of app or something. Yeah. Creepy. Scared the crap out of me. Yep. But we're still here. Yeah, whatever. Still doing it. Still, still doing talking it. about murderers. <laughs> whoop, whoop.
0: <laughs> um, so, Steven didn't finish college, and he had stopped school to get a job in politics, And eventually, when that job sort of fizzled out, he decided that um, he was just going to work at his dad's shop. And then they decided to have kids, and they had two children. And at the time of the crime, they were seven and four, or six and three, depending on who you ask. Okay. Don't really know. But he became a self-proclaimed Mr. Mom and loved his role of stay-at-home dad. Sometimes he would go in and work in his dad's shop, but mostly he took his kids to school. He took them to after-school activities. He took them to the doctor. He made their lunches. He cleaned their house. He loved his life. And everybody around him knew that he was really happy. He enjoyed taking care of his children. Yeah. He would wait out at the bus stop. with. He said, like, the only other people at the bus stop were moms. But he didn't care. He was just excited to be there, and he loved his kids. But with the two littles in the house, you know, they decided that when Tara started traveling more... That he really couldn't handle doing it by himself any longer, and they decided to hire some live-in help. So they went through a company that matched international women to um, families in America who needed help, and they hired an au pair from Germany, and her name was Verena. And she was 18 years old, and apparently she was very beautiful. Oh, no. So on the outside, the family looked picture perfect. Tara was the breadwinner, they had two beautiful children, a six-figure salary, and live-in help. A husband who loved his kids, and what else could Tara ask for? She loved her job and was rightly proud of her career.
1: You could ask for a nanny that's like 50, named Helga. <laughs> Hire an ugly nanny. <laughs> yes, an older, more experienced, more mature, not as attractive Yeah, nanny, if you're going to be away, especially. Well, nannies in general are
0: expensive, and so yeah, I think if you find somebody who wants to be in the U.S., you can probably get them, like, cheaper.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. But how many true crime sure.
0: stories start off with, they had a no pair <laughs> named Helga. <laughs> Not for *Name Helga. <laughs> but anyway. So it looked like the traditional American values. Perfect family. Yeah. Two kids, boy and a girl. Good to go. Right? Sure. No. Stephen was becoming unhappy with the amount that his wife was traveling. He thought that he was actually a better mom than Tara because she was never around. They consistently fought about her being gone so much, but Tara would consistently put her work above her husband's comfort. Besides, she felt like she had to work this way to keep their lifestyle. They lived in a nice neighborhood, they drove new cars, their kids attended private school. So initially, Tara said, yes, I'll try and stop traveling so much. But I think she knew that with her position, that really wasn't possible. Yeah. Well, Stephen started thinking that the reason that she liked working so much was because she had a second life in San Juan. He thought that he, she spent way too much time with a specific coworker of hers, and they argued about that as well. There was no evidence of this, and there is still no evidence to prove that Tara was having an affair.
1: I'm trying really hard not to go on a rant about... The role reversal turning sour because how many women are out there with traveling husbands that like have to deal with that? Yeah. They have to do it themselves, but understand that he's the breadwinner. And so this is our life and this is what I signed up up for. And we don't murder our husbands. Yeah. We might want to sometimes, but we don't. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. I don't either. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. My mom is superwoman. She raised me and my brother both while my dad traveled for most of my like growing up portion of my life and I don't she's superwoman.
1: Yeah. I I don't understand how <laughs> it's possible. I don't think I could handle two things. A I wouldn't have been able to do it when my kids were much younger. Yeah. Now they're older, more independent. Cool. B if he traveled for like months at a time or something, eh, yeah, that would be much different, much harder. So I do count my blessings in that regard that he travels like within the state. So yeah. he's back home every weekend.
0: Yeah. My dad traveled internet, not internationally, nationally. So he was all over the country, but he was mm-hmm. home on the weekends. And when we were much younger, my mom was a teacher. So we were at the school that she taught at. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the only way that it was possible. I mean, once I went to a different school, it was definitely much harder. But
1: yeah, she's superwoman. She made it work anyway. So shout out to any of the spouses. Yes. But still today, I'd be willing to bet there's still a lot more women that are at home and husbands who are traveling. Yeah. So but shout out to any of you stay-at-home parents who don't kill your spouses who don't kill your spouses that travel yeah yay you're doing great
0: (laughs) well in exchange for what he thought tara's affair was or maybe he was just lonely we don't really know but steven began messaging with one of his ex-girlfriends he was always really friendly with her but this time it was a little bit more than friendly in addition to that a few weeks prior to the murder, Stephen began having a little bit too much fun with the nanny. They really kicked their affair into high gear about six weeks prior to the crime. And at that point, the two of them were like sharing a bed and essentially playing house while Tara was gone. Yeah. <laughs>
1: what a cliche, Stephen. <laughs> Apparently, the kids didn't know. Um, yeah, they're still young enough that you could. Yeah. As long as you get up earlier Yeah, than them. Mm. Um, on February 9th, 2007,
0: Tara got home from her usual trip to San Juan. She was in their bedroom unpacking, and Stephen was naked getting ready for bed because he slept naked. He's free balling it. He's out there. <laughs> and they started arguing over Tara's work schedule again when she said that she was actually thinking about returning to San Juan on Sunday rather than on Monday like normal. They had already been fighting over how much she was gone. She said she was going to stop and now she's saying she's going to go even more Yeah. and it was kind of just the straw that broke the camel's back for them. The fight continued to escalate and Tara smacked Stephen. Stephen retaliated and hit Tara and she fell back and hit her head. She said, at that point, she looked at him and said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to take the kids. And according to Stephen, she said, quote, you're going to be fucking homeless. You're a piece of shit. Stephen caught up in a rage, started choking his wife. He covered her face with a piece of dark gray clothing halfway because he didn't want to look at her as he killed her. When asked later if there was any sort of fight, he said by the time she reached up and touched his hand, it was too late and she was dead. I just, how do you get there? I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't know either. Like he was so, the the next like two and a half weeks that we're going to cover with him, he is so delusional the whole time. He's trying, so I don't... He was
1: panicking. Well, as he should. Yeah. I... uh, Yeah. (laughs) I just don't understand how... Like, those are such normal things to fight about in a marriage. How does it turn to that?
0: Well, part of their argument was, before it happened, she knew that because she hit him, that he would hit her. And then she said... You hit me. Police are never gonna believe you that I hit you first. I'm taking the kids. Like she was saying, she was gonna manipulate again. She she's now dead. We don't know what she's saying. Yeah, but, so
1: we don't know for sure. But even if she said that, don't kill her. Like if that's the, I don't know. I know there's no, there's not logical thought happening when you're that yeah. worked up and in the mid. I don't know. It just, yeah. I just can't imagine like. Still, even if she's not around that much because she's traveling, she is the mother of your children. Yeah. And there's no way that a court is going to deny you when you've been the one caring for the children nonstop because you hit your wife one time. Yeah. Like,
0: after she hit you first, according to your thing. And you have no history about it. I mean, clearly he wasn't thinking, but. He had to start thinking and he had to start thinking pretty quick because he now had a dead body that he can't lift. Mind you, she's I thought this was interesting that he couldn't lift her. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not trying to demasculate him or anything, but she was small. She was only like 120 pounds, maybe and really short. I mean,
1: I don't know. I i know dead weight's different than, you know, carrying a live person, but still. Yeah, but like drag her. Well, he does.
0: Yeah. So he, okay. We're going to get pretty graphic for a little bit here, yeah, so just warning okay. you. Um it's not super graphic because I can't handle that, but it is I just wanted to shout out yeah. warning. <laughs> so still naked, he wraps his brown leather belt around her neck and then drags her through the house and into the garage. Because he can't lift her.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not funny. Why is he, no, him doing that is not funny, but why didn't you take a damn minute to put some clothes on? Because Farina like, was coming home. But not only if your children wake up, <laughs> no. not only are they going to be horrified that you're dragging their dead mother by a belt around her neck, but then you also add insult to injury by making them see you free balling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know. And I don't know the layout of the house, if it was possible that the kids would have seen. I don't, I don't know.
1: Listen. I didn't look at a map. All I know is that one <coughs> of our daughters walked too far into the bathroom. Matt was in our old house. It had like the, the yeah. kind of the glass block and the open yeah end. Okay. And I was in the bathroom blow drying my hair while he's showering and she walked in to talk to me, but I wasn't paying attention and she's talking and then she walked over too far and she saw and she was like eight and she was traumatized (laughs) i've heard the trauma (laughs) from this so yeah
0: so i don't know why he didn't put clothes on probably because they think that what he used to cover her face with was his boxers but i don't
1: you have more boxers sir don't
0: (laughs) get a fresh pair I don't, I don't know. know. He didn't put clothes on, so he's now got her in <laughs> that the garage. Sounds ridiculous. What's even more ridiculous is that she is still fully clothed in business clothes. <laughs> he's naked. <laughs> yeah. Gross. So, okay. okay. I, we're not trying to take away from the no, from this not horrible. at all. But it's you guys horrible. have to realize we cover a new case each week, both of us, and so we're so head deep into like horrible true crime stuff that sometimes it, our brains are broken.
1: I don't know. I think most true crime people understand that you have to find a little bit of humor in the ridiculous parts of these stories. Otherwise, like, yeah, because this is get
0: this is kind of funny in the moment, but
1: it's about to get really gross. Yeah, so or... I, uh, I imagine, but yeah. nevertheless, okay. So yes, very sad. That he can't lift 120 pounds. Very sad that he has to wrap a belt around. Why do, Why not just grab her by the arms? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing this man is doing makes any sense. No, it doesn't. Whatsoever. It continues to not. So he's got her in the
0: garage and he decides to get her into the back of Tara's truck. She okay. drove a white Isuzu truck. At some point trying to get her in the truck, he dropped her. He said it was the worst noise. He described it as a watermelon hitting cement. Ugh. Yeah, really gross. But eventually he got her up and in the backseat of Sarah's Azuzu. And that's a truck brand, if you don't know. Yes. I didn't know that until like a few
1: years ago. Okay. No. That's okay. A lot of people don't know all the different.
0: There's too many. Yeah. You should make them s- only one. Only one kind of car. <laughs> only one kind. Ca-
1: no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that, but
0: (laughs) anyway, and it was good timing because right as he got her in the truck and got back inside, Verena came home because she lived with them. So, right.
1: And she didn't question like, why are you naked in the kitchen coming in from the garage? Here's
0: how this, here's how this went. He basically shouted out like, no, go, go get out. Don't be here. And she was like, what the heck did I do? And so he puts on pajama pants and he goes out there and is like, no, I thought you were Tara coming back. So this is his story and he's sticking to it. He and Tara had had a fight and she she left. She called the car service and got into a car at the end of the driveway and left. That's his story. And he is sticking to it. This is what he tells Verena. And he's like, she walked down on me and she's like, oh, you poor thing. Your wife just left you. So sad. See, Helga wouldn't fall for that. Helga would have been like, "She's in the truck, and she."
1: <laughs> Helga would have been like, mm, "Her truck's here. She wouldn't have left the truck. Why would she? Why? Yeah, why would she?" Helga would have questioned. it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think, I think she normally left the truck there, so she didn't have to park it
1: at oh, the airport. Gotcha. Maybe, yeah,
0: because I, it,
1: I, I don't know. I'm just assuming. Yeah, then that's smarter. I wasn't giving Stephen the benefit of the doubt. I'm sorry.
0: Well, and the reason that he, the reason that he put her in her truck is because her truck had a liner, like in the back seat where they, mm-hmm. anyway. So he was thinking a little bit, and he does. He continues to think, just not hard enough. So this begins a two-week period of lies and gaslighting from Stephen to the general public. I don't know if gaslighting is the right word. Lying is definitely the right word. Yeah. He spoke with Tara's boss, who was like, she's probably just cooling off. Just, like, leave it. It's fine for a few days. Like, you guys had a fight. It's probably okay. She's a grown woman. She can take care of herself. She's fine. He calls Tara's phone. He leaves her messages. Everybody just said, like, she's probably just cooling off. Like, give it some time. This gave him some time to think of a plan. It took him all of Saturday to think of a plan. Like, he had a full day where he just didn't do anything.
1: Body sitting in the truck in the garage. In Michigan. Do we know when? What time of year was this? It's February. Okay. So unless they happen to have a heated garage.
0: No, they don't later because later the police are in the garage and they're cold.
1: Yeah. So so, she's not going to start smelling probably.
0: No, no, that wasn't really mentioned. Um. So meanwhile, I, I thought I would mention... That on Saturday night, Verena sleeps in the same
1: bed as Steven. So, well, of course, she needs to comfort him. He's heartbroken. Yeah. But, like, your wife just died, dude. Because you killed her.
0: So maybe don't sleep with the nanny. That's weird. But on Sunday, he decided to kind of start dealing with the mess that he's created. He was really struggling, so he kind of went back and forth a lot. It's tedious to talk about all the things that he did instead of dealing with this. He drove around a lot, but basically he took Tara's body to his father's shop because he had a tool and die shop. He made sure that his dad wasn't going to be at the shop that day, and he tried to dismember her, but wasn't mentally able to do it. So instead, he started with her technology. He figured She would never travel without her laptop or her phone. So if we get rid of them and I don't have them, we can't prove that she didn't travel with them. So he gets rid of those. And any sort of evidence that he had, he ended up throwing up. Throwing up. Well, he did throw up. He mentioned (laughs) that. Probably did. But um, he ended up throwing into different dumpsters or into a a river. Just depending on he drove around a bunch of different places and, and threw stuff everywhere.
1: But eventually, after some whiskey, he was like, "Okay, well, now he has the golden plan." Cause whiskey, whiskey, that, and saws—that always makes, yeah, people think clearly.
0: But he knew that he had to—he had to dismember her a little bit. Cause what yeah. was he gonna do? So he laid out some plastic, and he started small. He started with her hands, and he kept going at all of her joints. And basically, there were fourteen pieces total. Um, he said that there was very little blood because it had been some time. Yeah. That's gross, but it's just reality. But what was weirder to me is that, like, the body still had clothes on it. He was cutting through, through her the clothing. Clothes. He never took her clothes off. And I can't imagine. I just don't know. I don't know how it he. probably
1: just made it easier. Yeah. Because you're just looking at clothes instead of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he said at some point he threw up, and I just don't... Like, he decapitated her. And I'm like, how the heck do you do that? I don't... Like, as somebody who's not a, a serial killer, who's not somebody who's born to be a killer, yeah. in my opinion, to go through that had to be like, I. that's horrifying. That's horrifying.
1: No. Yeah. I've already thought of like three different scenarios that he could have easily. Well, not not like I, I sound like a serial <laughs> killer. <laughs> like the, if he would have just done this, it would have looked like somebody else. Like she did leave, but then somehow she got. Yeah, there you definitely know. was other
0: options. I just don't know. I don't know what he was thinking.
1: He wasn't. He was just a, like to dispose of everything into like random separate places and stuff. You you didn't think that he was just trying to get rid of evidence. Yeah.
0: He was just—he was just doing what I think he's seen in like movies and stuff. Yeah. So, because again, he wasn't like this. Isn't he wasn't born to be a killer? It's not like Joe Goldberg from You, where he's just like, well, this is how it is. <laughs> Whoopsie. This is who I am. Like it's not.
1: So My personality type. <laughs> yeah. Basically.
0: <laughs> um. So basically, she like I said, she was really small. So even when she, he was able to cut her up, he put her everything her whole body into one plastic rubbermaid tub yeah she's little okay. i wouldn't fit in a rubbermaid tub
1: <laughs> me either
0: um and he had wrapped her in like the industrial thin like plastic bags mm-hmm. and then with the torso he had to use some newspaper because that did still have some blood mm-hmm. gross is it- yeah So he put everything in the back of the truck, and he went home for the night, like including all of the saw blades and anything that he hadn't disposed of in dumpsters already, he had in the truck. And that was on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So on Monday, he took his kid's red sled from their garage and put that in the truck before driving everything to a park. And then he put the tub on top of the sled because he couldn't lift it. And started using the sled to pull the tub around. And I want you to guess what happens next.
1: No. 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 <laughs> the sled goes down a hill. Oh,
0: no. He loses the sled and Tara goes sledding. Oh, no. And when he gets to the sled, it had fallen over and broken. And so there is Tara everywhere in the park which, like, have you ever... Do you know what icks are? Like, when I say, oh, that's an ick, Gen Z lesson of the day. So an ick is, like, something that a man will do and you're like, oh, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. So okay. a lot of people's ick is when, like, a guy is playing beer pong and he loses the ping pong ball and he has to chase the ping pong ball <laughs> around on the floor.
1: This okay. is, like, an
0: extended version of that to me. He's chasing
1: a sl- <laughs> Oh, gross.
0: <clears throat> yes, this is horrendous because it's just so dehumanizing for her.
1: And like, it, it, it's, it's just, it's so gross. Well, you have to hand it to Steven. He managed to make a really horrific thing into something comedic.
0: A little bit, yeah. Just in hindsight, we're laughing because we're like, this is
1: ridiculous. It is. It's ridiculous. All of it. I just on a slide. I'm sorry. That's just—it's crazy. I—I I don't. I'm speechless. I yeah. I got nothing. So he ends up
0: dispersing everything. That's his quote, across the park, and burying things under the snow, because the ground was frozen. Frozen. Oh so my god. He and he's like, I—I I know I did a bad job. So on Tuesday, the next day, he went back and hid things a little bit better. But he must have done a pretty good job. You'll see. So it was Wednesday, five days later, that he finally made a missing persons report. Missing persons report. Not missing. Missing. Sorry. (laughs) Missings. Either way. So Wednesday, he made the report. Thursday morning, he retained a defense attorney named David Grime. Grime, however you want to pronounce it.
1: You retained an attorney... A defense attorney yes. before you've even been questioned by police. Yes, or? because
0: he so he had a little bit of a run in where he was arrested the same day for um, driving with a suspended license, and so he spent a night in jail. And he was worried that they were retained like, detaining him in order to question him about Tara.
1: Oh my god! So he called
0: after somebody else suggested that he call and get an attorney. He called and and retained a defense attorney. Okay. I would have done the same thing.
1: Well, yeah, if you had, yeah, knowing that. But I just thought he was being preemptive. And I'm like, but that's going to make you look guilty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But if he could say, well, I. Well, and I don't know if I, if Nicholas was to
0: go missing and he'd been gone for five days. Yeah. I think I might still have an attorney on deck. I don't know if I'd pay a retainer yet, but I'd probably make a little phone call or two and be like, hey, just heads up and maybe calling you if this goes south cuz like okay. i always think it's stupid when people don't have an attorney and somebody dies close to them and they're just like talking to the police and everything
1: oh so okay i don't I think it makes saying. you look
0: guilty i only think it makes you look guilty if you are guilty <laughs> 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 like i i just think that if somebody if something like that happens i would get an attorney too but that's yeah. as somebody who works in law and has and is obsessed with true crime and has seen Yeah. So many things go south because somebody was just not knowing what they were doing and just talking.
1: Yeah. True. Who knows? Anyway. Stephen clearly doesn't know what he's doing. No.
0: He retains David and the next weeks, the next week and a half to two weeks, he's on the local news channels every night. He's doing press conferences every day, fighting for Tara to come home. To everyone in the area, he was a hysterical husband wishing for his wife's return. And it was national news. I said the area, but, like, everybody was talking about this, and everyone was looking for Tara Grant. Yeah. The detectives had tracked her accounts and her phones, and nothing had been used, so they knew that this kind of wasn't looking good. Because for her not to have used her phone for five days or her bank account for five days, how are you calling a car service if you're not paying for the car service? Yep. Kind of thing. I mean, I guess 2007, she could have used cash, but... There was no record of her withdrawing cash. The last time yeah, but- she had used her account was at the airport. Yeah. On Thursday. Or on Friday. So, you know. The following Wednesday, a full week later, the sheriff announces that they are going to search that park. Steven's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And he's like, they're probably going to find her. So he goes back and finds her torso, which is still frozen and wrapped in plastic under the snow. And he carries her torso back to his car and hides it in a Rubbermaid, a different Rubbermaid tub in his garage. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just Wha- Wha- <sighs> He's like, they're going to find it. So I'm going to take it and move it.
1: But they can find other parts of her. But they don't.
0: They search this park and they find nothing. 13 what? pieces. And they never recovered all of her, by the way. They only recovered 11 pieces. Okay. So when he finds out that they didn't find anything at the park, he's like, I, th- I, th- I think I might have gotten away with this. Because he's thinking, there's no body. They haven't found a body yet. They can't prove I did anything. I mean, he's so panicked. It wasn't premeditated. He's trying to get away with it after the fact. So he's kind of probably feeling a little bit relieved at that point. I mean, other than the fact yeah. that he's got a torso in his garage. yeah well that doesn't last very long because on March 2nd the police show up with a warrant to search the Grant home Mm -hmm. now up until this point Stephen hadn't necessarily been cooperative with police like I said he retained an attorney he was very fidgety he refused to answer any questions and he refused to polygraph which he took a polygraph from a third party but he wouldn't take one with the police and the third party one came back inconclusive So they weren't really sure what they thought about Stephen Grant. But the night of the search weren't. They definitely figure out how they're feeling. Yeah. So they show up and Stephen had taken the kids to his sister Kelly's house because there was some power issues due to the winter storm. The Kids aren't there. And they start the search and Stephen calls his attorney. His attorney talks to the detective, makes it very clear that Stephen isn't under arrest and he's technically free to leave at any point. So he says, I'm going to take my dog for a walk. And he leaves. And he's got, they have like a German Shepherd lab mix. So he's got a big dog and he's going on a little walkie walk. And he starts to devolve a lot. He calls a friend. Let me, let me say this. I'm probably going to leave out some details of his movements over the next few hours because he's not thinking. And so he does a bunch of random crap. Like he goes to a casino at one point. He tries to stop at a hotel, but it's full he stops at, like, three different convenience stores. So I'm just going to, like, cut to the chase and tell you what ended up happening. Okay. But anyway, it's tedious to listen to. It was tedious to read. I don't want to bore you. Basically, he goes a few streets over, and he calls a friend. And he tells his friend, like, hey, can you come pick me up? So His friend shows up. He picks him and the dog up. And Steven starts, like, rambling at him. And he says... Uh, hey, dude, you're not really acting like an innocent person. What's wrong? He tells his friend that during the search, they took his laptop, or maybe he had turned his laptop in a few days prior. Couldn't really tell. But either way, he said they were going to find evidence that he was having an affair with Verena, which they okay. were obviously already concerned about that. Yeah. They're not dumb. Yeah. Yeah. His friend's basically like, well, yeah, sleeping with an 18 or a 19-year-old is going to make you look bad, but it doesn't mean you killed your wife, right? Or does it? And Stephen was like really incoherent. He drives around a little bit to try and get him to calm down, but it doesn't really work. And when he... So the friend takes him back to his house, to the friend's home. Okay. And they get there, and Stephen's like, I really just want to go see my kids. And so the friend lets him borrow his wife's car. So he takes the dog to kelly's okay so that's where we are now he gets to kelly's and he leaves the dog there he sees his kids and he starts looking through her house he told her i'm gonna make myself something to drink when really he was looking for her 38 her gun but couldn't find it he did however find a full bottle of vicodin and some alcohol so he tells kelly that he's going to jail and she's like bro why and the detective told him that if we find a single drop of blood in the house, you're going to jail for life. So he told Kelly, I'm going to jail. This is it. I'm done for. Deuces. She's like, but you didn't do anything, right? He gets back in his friend's car. He left the dog there, and he leaves. He goes a bunch of different places. He stops, and he gets a toy gun and razor blades because he planned on killing himself rather than going to jail. Yeah. He took a pen and colored the tip of the gun, thinking he could either commit suicide by cop, or he could slit his wrist, or he could take the pills, or he could jump off a bridge, but he didn't like any of these ways, <laughs> because he's a coward, and he didn't really want to kill himself, I don't think. Yeah. So he wrote a note to his kids, and at some point he stopped and called his defense attorney David, and he, it's one o'clock in the morning, and David's,
1: poor David, he's like, hello? Can you imagine, though? Defense attorneys probably have that. A he said he, he said he'd never had it before. Really? Yeah. He said he had it, and he was very well
0: respected in the legal field and in the community. And for a defense attorney to be like well liked, people liked him. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't oh, had this pretty often. He was pretty well known. He'd been doing it in a while, and so he was concerned um, because David. I mean, because Stephen told him like I'm going to kill myself, and he said please don't. <laughs> um, and he talked him off a ledge for a little bit. But what's ironic to me is that poor David had actually decided the day before he was going to drop Stephen as a client. In his own discovery process, he had found out about the affair with Verena, yeah. and he was like, oh, that's icky. I don't like how this looks. I don't want to do this. Yeah. But at this point, Steven's saying he's going to kill himself. He's involved. He's telling him anything he can to keep him from from k- killing himself, essentially. Right. He hangs up the phone. And Steven calls Kelly. He told Kelly the same thing that he was going to kill himself and that he'd written a note to the kids. And he actually tells her where he had ended up. So he had ended up at Wilderness State Park, which is a place that he and Tara had spent some time together. And they have some cabins, so you can go stay there. He's so delirious at this point. He doesn't go through with the suicide. And I don't know if it's because he was a coward and didn't really want to kill himself or if it's because he was just so out of it that he just forgot and didn't do it well he
1: probably hadn't slept much definitely not
0: and he ended up walking around and just wandering in the woods all night with no shoes in 10 degree weather completely unprepared
1: oh that's
0: yeah so, my fiance and my best friend's boyfriend camp a lot. They do a lot of backpacking
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and they've camped in like low 20 degree weather and they were prepared and they still thought they were gonna die. It was so cold and mm-hmm. the wind chill was really bad where they were. and so I can't imagine ten degree weather with no shoes, yeah, and like no pack, no like you were he wasn't prepared for that because he had no idea where he was going so. Since he had told Kelly where he was, she walked her little butt right outside and told the police that were waiting in front of her home, hey, he's at Wilderness State Park. He's going to kill himself. Please go help him. Like, obviously, she's upset. It seemed to me that her and her brother were fairly close, and she told them that's where he is.
1: Yeah. Well, Well, because, yeah, if you're faced as a family member, you know, everybody's different. Some people will be like, I'll help you get away. But some people... Would do what they can, maybe not talk to police, maybe not give you away, but until yeah. they have to, until it is going to risk them and their lives. But yeah, if somebody you love is like, I'm going to go to jail, so I'm going to kill myself, uh, you'd rather they go to jail yeah. than kill themselves.
0: Exactly. And he has two young kids and she's like, well, no, like, I'd rather them still have a dad. Like Their yeah. mom is missing yeah. and you know, two weeks later is likely dead with no activity.
1: Mm-hmm. We're not
0: going to. You don't want to kill yourself. She didn't want him to kill himself anyway. Well, you might be wondering, why were police outside of,
1: of Kelly's house? I just assumed they were looking for him because they had found. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs>
0: at that point, um, they were actually almost done with the investigation. They mm-hmm. had pretty much finished in the house. There was nothing inside. And they were standing in the garage waiting on the last of them to kind of come out there. And they were getting cold and they were all ready to go home. and like, this is dumb, let's leave. When one of the detectives looked over and he realized when he had been at the house a few days prior, that tub hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. And he remembers specifically, he was like, I don't know if it's my gut feeling or what. But he went over there and he looked in the tub and there was a plastic bag inside the tub. He put his hand on it and kind of pressed and it it had give. Yeah. And so he opened it up and they all... They all looked inside, all crowded around this tub and looked inside as they opened it. And there was the clothed torso of Tara Grant in the clothes that he described her wearing the night that she'd left. Yeah. So at that point, they were granted an open murder arrest warrant for Stephen, which I think is fascinating. Basically, that just meant that they didn't have to know the degree of murder and they didn't have to have a full charge. From the prosecution to go arrest him for murder. Yeah. I really like that because then they're not waiting around to charge him. him time
1: to get away or yeah, something. exactly.
0: Yeah. I hadn't heard of that before. I thought it was really interesting. Agreed. Um, and they actually, it was, well, I'll get into it later. They went to Kelly's house thinking that maybe he'll show up there because, again, he had left the, he was free to go earlier. They didn't know yeah. where he went. So they thought maybe he would go to Kelly's, or if he left Kelly's, he'll come back to Kelly's, thinking that he's not going to go home. Well, that's when she told them where he was, and it was the next day before Stephen was recovered in the snow. The wind was so bad, the dogs couldn't get a scent on him the night before, so they had to wait until the next day. And he was airlifted to a hospital for hypothermia treatment. He was very, very sick. The next day, the police start speaking with him. And he fully confesses. He tells them everything from the get go, and it was a few weeks later in April that the full confession was released. So it's you can find the actual tape or the transcript of the tape. It's like 67 pages long. Wow, it was worth a read. His trial happened fairly quickly. He was arrested in March. Mm -hmm. The release of the tapes were was in April, and then in December 21st, 2007. He was found guilty of second-degree murder and mutilation of a body. He would serve 50 to 80 years in prison. And he, of course, appealed. And part of his appeal process was he said that the confession was illegally obtained because he was in the hospital recovering at the time that he spoke with the police and made the confession. I read the whole confession. And in the very beginning, they ask him, are you of sound mind to speak with us right now? Mm -hmm. And he says yes. Yes. And he's asking intelligent questions back to them. He's fully capable of speaking. Um, Because at one point he asks him, like, what degree of murder are you charging me with? What's the difference? And they said, well, we actually just have an open arrest warrant, an open murder arrest warrant. We don't know what they're going to charge you with. Yeah. So they didn't even know for, like, a couple days after, which I thought was really interesting. So obviously that appeal goes nowhere.
1: Yeah. So...
0: The other thing that I thought was interesting about his legal troubles is that Tara's sister, Alicia, was named the representative of her estate. So she decides that she's going to file a civil wrongful death suit against Steven as well, as she should. Get your bag, girl. Okay. Not that she was getting a bag. But I'm saying, like, I understand. Do what you want to do. And as a somebody who works in probate, I was like, yeah, girl, get it.
1: Yeah, my first thought was just, does he have anything? Or soon? I mean, Tara was the breadwinner, so no, her he state nothing. probably. Has. I don't think
0: it was. I don't. I really don't think it was for anything. It was no. just the principle yeah. of it. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and so here we are, fifteen years later, and Alicia and her husband raised Lindsay and Ian, who were their kids, mm-hmm. all grown up now. Yeah, so that's the story of Tara Grant.
1: All right. Well, sorry about your body, Tara.
0: I know that's horrible. It's the worst. She was treated horribly after her death. Uh, probably should have stuck it out with the
1: situationship.
0: In hindsight, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, ladies, moral
1: of the story: don't settle. Um, <laughs> if a guy just shows up <laughs> when you're with your other guy, that's weird. It's um, a little weird. Not romantic. Yeah,
0: not really. Oh, one other thing was what that one of his friends said that he was the kind of guy that you thought would m- rob a convenience store with his name tag on and be <laughs> caught on the stupidest criminals. So they were all really shocked when he married Tara because they were like, "Dude, how did you bag that?" And then he literally bags her several years later. Oh no, that was horrible. I'm sorry, but still, like that's kind of who he was as yeah. a person, and then. She's this, like, super
1: ambitious, educated woman. And he said, I'll show you. I'm not going to rob a liquor store with my name tag on.
0: I'm going to kill my wife. I'm going to kill my wife and keep her body in my garage. So, and then um, one other sad piece of the story is that, unfortunately, his dad um, did commit suicide about a few months after his conviction he just wasn't able to get over it, and like, oh no, like he did all of that in his dad's shop, so it's his yeah. dad's business. he yeah. can't come back from it. It was just horrible. it was horrible. And Stephen clearly wasn't thinking, but like he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> he should't no. have killed her, but he definitely should have just as the whole thing
1: is so icky. in a way, you potentially risk your father. his business because the police could have been looking at your father thinking he had something to do with it as well. There was evidence all over the shop when they looked there. Yeah.
0: And then poor Verena. They were looking into Verena for a while because they were like, well, did he do it alone? Yeah. And she had nothing to do with it. She was cleared pretty quickly, but still.
1: But she had to go back to Germany. She did. Yeah. Well, lesson learned, Verena. Yeah. Fight the case. Don't take up with married men. Yeah, yeah, it's a good lesson to learn when you're young, so you don't do it later.
0: Yeah, or just never do it. That's my suggestion. That's the best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a good suggestion. I don't know what we're talking about now, but okay. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, we tried to keep it light because this is a really
1: gross case, but well, he gave us the material to keep it light. Though. Truly,
0: truly, he did truly. all the he did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> I swear the jokes just write themselves on this one. I just can't. I'm sorry. It feels so wrong to make jokes
1: about this. Okay.
0: I'm going to go before we get canceled. We're
1: sorry for Tara's family. Absolutely. Absolutely absolutely not. Our jokes are really it. Steven. Because he couldn't
0: lift 120 pounds.
1: Yeah. I squat more than that. Like, lift with your legs. Steven skipped. leg day (laughs) steven skipped every day he was a runner oh so not a lot of muscle well i mean well you have muscle but but, it's not yeah yeah. very lean yeah well anyway anyway now he can run laps in jail maybe do some push-ups dude yeah i'm out of words this is so gross let your prison boyfriend teach you how to lift weights yeah Like envisioning it. <laughs> she just made a face looking up at the ceiling like she's envisioning it i am all right well thanks for sharing
0: yeah thanks for listening and we'll uh catch you guys next week hopefully less delusional but not so delusional that you're hallucinating in the woods and you don't end up killing yourself and you end up going to jail yeah <laughs> Until next. that was time. another thing some sources say he was like hallucinating he probably was. Like Alicia and her being like, why'd you do that? Like
1: scolding <laughs> him. I don't, I don't know. He probably was. Probably. All right. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on
0: Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.